tips. Ladyboss tips. Take big swings and suppress the fear of catastrophic failure. Other women are in threat. Though some see you as a threat. Like, what did I do to you, Taylor? Demand a raise and don't... Welcome to the very first episode of Profess Hers, a podcast about movies, music, history, pop culture, current events, and literature, all discussed through the perspective of women's issues and feminism. I'm Allegra. I have high expectations for our podcast. I can probably operate the soundboard. I got trained on it 10 minutes ago, and I am super excited to be here today with Misty. So I am really nervous. I have no podcasting experience. <laughs> I can barely operate Twitter, and it's I'm true. kind of social media illiterate. She is. I'm really hoping I don't mess this up for you, Allegra. She's, yeah, you might... I'm might not the tech my, person. My, my Twitter fame. You might give me a bad name. <laughs> I think I have like five followers. Maybe. Maybe. Did you get three more? I made an account for my dog. Yeah, but your dog has more <laughs> followers than Probably. you. Probably. My dog's yeah. cuter than me. Well, I mean, you know, most dogs are. All right. So, like, I think the first thing we have to do, we have to talk about that F word. Something I need to bleep out? Yeah, maybe. Did we say fork? Oh, no, it's worse than that. Worse than fork. Uh, feminism. Feminism. That is a dirty word. It, you know, some people really think that it is. They do. It, y- you know what annoys me? What? When people say, I'm not a feminist, but... And then they say everything that a feminist is. <laughs> but I think women should be equal and we should... Get um, the same pay. Get rid of gender role expectations and have all the same rights. But I'm not a feminist. Because that word has like a negative connotation. It does. It does. So I think part of the first thing we have to do is just talk about what it's not. What it's not. Yeah. It's not only about women. That's the first thing it's not. It's not about women first. It's not about women only. It's not about... uh, Anti-man. Anti-man. It's not about taking over the world as much as I would like to personally. (laughs) um, It's not about women taking over the world. It's not about a rejection of the feminine. No. It's not about a hatred of stay-at-home moms. Nope. Or working moms. Nope. It's not about being judging or exclusionary. Right. And so are you saying a feminist can bake cookies? Yes, absolutely. Wear an apron. Yes. Barefoot in the kitchen. If they want to be. 18 babies. Sure. Okay. (laughs) That's a lot. (laughs) That's a lot of babies but yes it's your choice you should have the choice i am choosing not to do that but if somebody else wants to choose to do that good for them right and and as we'll talk about later there are unlimited paths to fulfillment as a woman or as a human are you a feminist yes i love that there was no hesitation there's none just went for it i mean there was some but i wanted to dramatic pause i was editing out my mental cursey (laughs) that's what i'm calling curse words today apparently uh yes i'm a feminist uh i believe that all people should be treated equally and with dignity what about you missy are you a feminist i'm absolutely a feminist you hesitated way less than i did and you added an adverb allegra's an english teacher (laughs) (laughs) well we titled it profess hers we have to do some professorial discussion otherwise we've got to change the name of the podcast we're both academics so we need to act like we're academics do you think of yourself as an academic yes absolutely i do oh 
maybe I should change my... No, because you're the whole reason we're able to do pop culture. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so you're saying because I know how to use Twitter, I can't be an academic anymore? No, you can be an academic too. It's that that's not like the oh, first verb okay. I would put with you. Adverb. Adverb. Oh, nope. Adjective. Nope. Adjective. Dang it. It's so fun. close. I don't know when Andrew Jackson was president. That's sad for you. All right. So we've talked about what feminism is not. It's also not the same to everyone. So it means something different to, I don't want to say something different to everyone, but there are lots of different approaches. And again, it's about uh, support and choice. Support and choice. Yes. If I had to boil it down to what it is to me, feminism is about human dignity and respect. If you have to Did you forget that there's part of the podcast later where we're making our own definition? No, no, no. I didn't forget that. I just want to reiterate it later. Okay. That, uh, she just skipped two pages of the outline. I think that those things are worth repeating. Okay. Okay. So, how did feminism start, Allegra? I don't know. You teach <laughs> history. I wasn't there. I assume it had to do with the 1840s. It did. And Allegra knew that because I made us an outline. <laughs> I did not know that before t- today. So, we thought that it would be important and fun to do a history lesson fun for misty yay history she's literally the only person who's ever said yay history i think other people are going to be excited about this do you i do okay blind optimism so we're going to do a quick lesson if we want to call it that about his uh the feminist movement and the history of it Mm -hmm. just so we can all be on the same page and know Mm -hmm. exactly what we're talking about Mm -hmm. so way back when in the 1840s that is way back when we had the beginning of the women's rights movement. Now, this was actually part of the women's rights movement in connection with abolitionism, but it's going to branch off after the Civil War because slaves are freed. Mm -hmm. And so now it's just going to focus on women's rights. Mm -hmm. And the number one right that we're talking about is... Uh, Not having to wear a dress. Um, Actually, yeah, that was part of it, but that's not the main thing. Voting? Voting! The right to vote. Can so, we can we vote now? We can vote. Okay. We should vote. You should vote often. As oh. often as they'll let you. Which is once per election. Yes. Unless you can do it more without getting caught. Nope. Right. She's a deputy <laughs> registrar. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. So this first wave of feminism, really the whole main thesis is women are people. Women should have the right to vote. We're people. It's a groundbreaking idea. It is. So that's going to culminate in the 19th Amendment. And then women have the right to vote and all problems were solved. So we're talking about what period of time here that we solved all problems. <laughs> the progressive era is at the end of it. I don't know when that is. Um, so the progressive era ends right before World War One, and we get the right to vote in 1920 right after World War One is done. Okay. So we have now got the right to vote. I'll be honest. I know about the turn of the century mostly from watching Downton Abbey. So that's how I know that the <laughs> world that World War One ended in the 19 teens, 1920. Um, so I'm going to talk a little bit about some, some books from that era. So obviously the twenties were an important era in history and in literature. Are you familiar with the most famous American novel from the 1920s? The Great Gatsby? The Great Gatsby. Do I get a prize? I have no prizes to give you. And then I quit. A Great Gatsby (laughs) associated prize, you probably wouldn't want it. So this is also the time when Mary Shelley writes Frankenstein in the 1820s. What? Well, it's like 100 years before. <laughs> it's at the same time. <laughs> Not a history teacher. 
that's true. not a history teacher. It's only a hundred years different. Okay, let me start with Frankenstein. Is the 1820s, and some people argue that it's feminist. Can you imagine why? It has a female author. It has a female author. That alone doesn't make it feminist. It's about dudes. It's almost exclusively contains males. Okay. And Frankenstein's monster, of course, was also a male monster. So how could that be feminist? I honestly don't know where you're going with this. You I don't? Really, I don't. You don't? I don't. I'll tell you. Okay. It's going to blow your mind. I'm ready. Obviously, it's about, it's a scary story. It was meant to be kind of a scary monster story. It's also kind of a story about what happens when science progresses without a consideration of humanity mm-hmm. and right and wrong. And it's focused on what I can do, not what I should do. So it's feminist, you could argue, in that this is kind of what happens when men make all these decisions and women aren't around. If the destruction is wrought without the input of a female. Okay. What are your, what, you're making a face. Well, it's just it's a very abstract way to get there. It is. I see where you're going now. It, but it's also mostly feminist because it's a very famous book written by a woman who, of course, has a very famous proto-feminist mother and so that's what I think but then we have The Great Gatsby 100 years later which is not in any way a feminist book at all not written by a woman (laughs) not written by a woman and it's a reflection of its time which is not a feminist time (laughs) (laughs) it's a nice way to cap that off it's very hard for me to explain it without Becoming an English teacher? Uh, yeah. But, so, what? there's one prominent female character. Her name is Daisy. I'm, there's no spoiler warnings here, because you've all seen the Leonardo DiCaprio movie. But... I haven't. You haven't. I haven't. That's right. Missy doesn't know how to go to the movies. <laughs> but uh, she's a prop, and it's all about what all of the male characters are going through. To obtain her favor. To obtain her favor, and she's a prize. To be one. To be one. Absolutely. With no inclinations of her own right and the important so my point here is these are books that are reflecting the culture back to itself and so the reason the great gatsby is important if in my opinion not that great is because it is an accurate reflection of the mood and the beliefs at the time so that's kind of where we're going to leave the women's movement for a while Mm -hmm. and then we are going to jump ahead to the late 1950s early 1960s and things are going to start to change again We've got out of World War II, Mm -hmm. and we're starting to have this awakening Mm -hmm. about maybe increasing rights for various groups of people, not just women. Mm -hmm. We have the Civil Rights Movement, the American Indian Rights Movement, and of course, the Women's Rights Movement, right? And these are all gonna happen within about the same time period, and women are gonna bring up new issues. So before, it was all about the right to vote, right? was all about getting that right. That's what you said. That's been accomplished. Okay. So now, what's the women's movement gonna focus on? Um, burning bras? Not quite. That actually never happened. Okay. Then I don't know because that's what I think of if I think of 1960s feminism. And that's the problem, right? The second wave is where we get all of those negative mm-hmm. stereotypes. Women don't shave their legs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they yes. burn bras. Yes. Uh, they yes. reject everything feminine. Mm-hmm. And that's not exactly what it was supposed to be about. Um, this is a movement against systematic sexism. So it's a movement that's concerned about the workplace. Interesting. About fair pay. Mm -hmm. It's also going to delve into what they called the uh, personal political. 
So the idea of gender roles within the household. Okay. The uh, work relationship between husbands and wives, the child care duties, those things, reproductive rights. So we're kind of not necessarily resisting, but trying to progress from a June Cleaver situation? Yes, yes, we're absolutely trying to do that. Okay. And, you know, the second wave gets a lot of really negative PR and people look back on it and kind of say, oh, they threw the baby out with the bathwater. But they had some important victories, and I think those need to be acknowledged. Um, The Equal Pay Act of 1963, big deal. Mm -hmm. Title IX, we both are in education, kind of a big deal. Very big deal. And you had um, some important gains as far as workplaces go. Sexual harassment actually became a thing people talked about. Before, it was just that's what happened if you went to go get a job. Did they care about it then? They began to care about it. Okay. It seems like we still kind of don't care about it we've gotten better okay so we're not talking about solving problems we're talking about ameliorating that's a fancy word it is a fancy word that just means to make something better yes so we're talking about incremental improvement we haven't crossed the finish line okay but we've gotten closer we we sure haven't crossed it no (laughs) no it's a (laughs) long way off but we're closer than we were let me ask you, you I know that the first wave of feminisms, the, one of the biggest criticisms about it is that it was very not inclusive. Although right. most of those women were abolitionists, they still were not inclusive of the needs for of women of color, of people in certain... Immigrant of, women, yeah, absolutely. Im- okay. So is the second wave better? No, no. it's not. Okay. I wish it was, but it's not. Um, that's one of the major criticisms of it, is that there are social and economic disparities between mm-hmm. these women. And there's a lot of, not infighting, but contention between them. Because if I'm talking as a professional woman about my right to earn a fair wage mm-hmm. for my work and to be treated seriously in my field, that's a different conversation than a woman who is talking about just getting her husband to agree to help her with childcare. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's still an ongoing conversation. So when actresses right famous hollywood movie star Mm -hmm. actresses say that their male co-stars get paid millions of dollars more than them that's a problem of course but a lot of us are like well but you still still made millions of dollars right you're still playing pretend you're still a movie star um so and it does seem a little out of touch because we're like we're trying to think about human trafficking. We're trying to think about immigrant women being able to maintain custody of their children. And you're saying that you made $5 million instead of $8 million or whatever the amount of money is. It's not meaningless. It's still problematic. And it still is reflective of a culture that values the contributions of men more than women. But it doesn't seem really like the best use of most feminist energy. Right. And then the other thing that's going to come in the second wave is reproductive rights. I mean, we're talking about things like birth control pills mm-hmm. and abortion, and that divides the movement because there are religious grounds to mm-hmm. either support or oppose that. Mm-hmm. And so there are women who were all aboard the feminist train. It's femi- so I have feminist, what did I say? Feminist energy and you have the feminist train. Yes. Okay, let's see if we can carry these metaphors through. We can. But then when somebody starts talking about abortion, people are like, okay, I got to get off with the next step. You're, you're jumping off the train. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, as far as literature goes, do you think it's reflective? <laughs> it's very reflective. It's super reflective. First of all, what you were just talking about, right? Sophie's Choice, which is, of course, a, a novel before a movie. 
written by a man. Uh, also Carrie, uh, a lot of Stephen King books. And so we have things that feature women in prominent roles, but don't depict women in accurate, complex ways. Carrie is not a full character. Have you seen the movie Carrie? I have. So she is, um, we'll talk about, I don't know. I don't even know how to describe who she is in that movie, but it's not an accurate representation of what it's like to be a teenage girl. No. And, it, and, it, mm -mm. and, and so it reinforces this kind of dichotomy that there's two ways to be a teenage girl, right? You can be an obnoxious, sexually progressive, mean girl, or you can be a sheltered, um, ignorant, innocent virgin virgin who doesn't understand how the world works and and so there's this divide between them of course you know in a book written by by a dude and stephen king himself because he's been a writer for so many years and so many decades he himself evolves on lots of social issues but in the 60s when or 70s when he's writing these books uh not great representations of females you were telling me about a book earlier <laughs> Yeah, so there's a there's a novel, and I'm reading it now, so I'm I can't give you spoilers because I don't know how it ends. But it's a novel called Looking for Mr. Goodbar, and I do know this. Uh, it was written by a woman. The main character is a female, but it's about how she is, and I'm quoting the book jacket, complicit in her own murder. It's a little victim blaming going yeah, on there because she's weird, uh, and you know she goes to bars by herself. I can't do that. She oh, reads no. mm -mm. she reads books. So she's thinking too. In the bar. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. And she's gonna have to get murdered. She takes men home with her. Oh no. Yeah. So right. It's she's, a shame we can only murder her once. But I haven't finished it. But I do know that Joyce Carol Oates wrote a short story, same time period, called uh Where Are You Going, Where Have You Been? And it is about a girl who uh, lies to her parents and sneaks out all the time and gets stalked and eventually kidnapped by uh, a crazy man. The thing about both of these stories is they're based on true stories and they're both, both authors are trying to explore how a woman can get herself or find herself in that kind of situation. I can't tell you uh, how looking for Mr. Goodbar ends. I started reading it because I was looking for literature from this time period to discuss today, and I had never read this book. And so uh, I guess on a future podcast, I'll let you know how it <laughs> ends. <laughs> so there's another really important book from this time period. Well, before you talk about your important book, I do want to say the only author who was writing a lot of well-known, well-read uh, and well-recognized novels at the time is Toni Morrison. And she continues to be one of very few prominent female women of color authors in, in America. And so this is when she started. Her books are amazing. Yeah. Super sad. Super sad. <laughs> well, amazing. you know, her, she, she, I don't know the, how autobiographical any of the books were, but they certainly are, again, reflective of the experience that, that women and people of color were going through. So the book I want to talk about is The Feminine Mystique. It sounds mysterious. It kind of was. It's by Betty Friedan. Uh -huh. And she is going to write this. I don't know if I told you the story before, but um, she got accepted into grad school and her boyfriend at the time didn't get accepted. So she didn't go. What? Because she didn't want to hurt his pride that she got in and he didn't. 
And then from that moment, she started thinking about these ideas of what mm-hmm. it means to be a female, mm-hmm. what it means to be a woman in America, and all that's going to culminate years later in this book, The Feminine Mystique. And she basically is going to talk about how women get their identity mm-hmm. and that women are not fulfilled in their identities because they were Tom's wife or Bobby's mom mm-hmm. and they weren't themselves. Yeah. They were just existing in this relation to men okay. without their own central identities. Okay. So there's more than one way to be a fulfilled woman. Yes. Okay. And you should try to be a fulfilled woman is what she's basically saying. Like, it's okay to want that. You don't just have to be the wife and mother. <laughs> to, I mean, it's it's funny because to me, that is not a novel idea. But it so was at the time. I know. And so... Groundbreaking. So that... Again, women are people. Women are people. Crazy idea. I know. So that takes us through the second wave. Is that right? It does. And then we're going to get to the third wave. Hey, Misty, when did the third third wave start? It started in the 90s. And the reason we're playing Spice Girls is because this is kind of Spice Girl feminism. Spice Girl feminism. Yes. Tell me what that means. So it's more inclusive. We're bringing in different spices. (laughs) All the oregano and the basil. (laughs) It's all in there. No, Um, We're bringing in different races. We're bringing in different sexual orientations. Uh, To some extent, we're starting to talk about gender in a new way. Okay. But it's not, from the second wave's point of view, it's not as serious. And substantive. Right. So, hence the Spice Girls. So, Spice Girls are more representative, but not super serious. Right. So, um, a lot of people talk about this as being the riot girl uh, type of feminism or girl power feminism. Okay. Okay. A lot of anthems, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But it has a lack of serious progression mm-hmm. we have incremental progression for sure um there are companies but no voting rights no civil rights no major no pieces of pay. legislation okay. okay yeah we have some problems um this is also going to be somewhat problematic for people of an older generation so there's intergenerational conflict oh because they feel like the third wave is rejecting some of what the second wave did and they're not appreciative of it okay when really it's just taking it and running with it a different way. Okay. So I think but I think though in the 90s there was a lot of rejecting the second wave of feminism and I think that continues today, right? It does. Um part of what the second wave was really upset about with the third wave is that third wave really embraces being feminine in a way that the second wave did not. Okay. Because they had to they had to step away from they had to break the mold yeah okay and in order to make any strides forward right so but later when we get to spice girls it's it's there are a variety of approaches and it's okay to re-embrace and it's okay to be a masculine person it's okay to be a feminine person if you want to wear all pink and ruffles great that's wonderful Just imagining either of us yeah. wanting to wear pink or ruffles. If you want to wear all black. Yeah. And that was most of my 90s. Yeah. Definitely. shirts. Maybe <laughs> maybe we should, should have played you some grunge music. Then that's okay too, right? Mm-hmm. There's no one way again to be female. Absolutely. 
Uh, can I talk about some literature from I the 90s? I would love for you so, to talk about some literature. I'll be honest with you. The 90s were not the best time. We're still not there in terms of equally representing uh, women or people of color when we talk about obviously all these people are writing books right women have always been writing people of color have always been writing but if we think about what's read what's taught in schools what's considered part of the canon what's given lots of awards what's on the bestseller list what's being represented as a major voice we still don't have a lot we still are mostly listening in the 90s to john grisham john updike and john irving i don't know why they're all named john uh, we still have you know philip roth cormac mccarthy now don't get me wrong i love every single author I just named. I've read lots of their books. John Irving is one of my favorite authors. Uh, this is when Game of Thrones started coming out in the 90s, the books. Oh. Also written okay. by a white man. Do you, are you familiar? Game of Thrones? I know what it is, and I know there's like dragons or something. There are. <laughs> I don't have HBO. <laughs> Maybe I should have gotten a sound clip from Game of Thrones. Uh so, so to be honest with you, if you become familiar with Game of Thrones, it's problematic, but also has its own kinds of progress. We have, you know, female rulers. Kind of like the third wave overall. Yes, it is very reflective. Strong female characters, but also, you know, with female sex slaves. Um, and so problematic. Yeah, a little bit. But also in some ways refreshing. So, um, you know, there are certain characters who are very strong and who can win in physical fights against men and so you know you just have to read it or watch it or i don't know go to them listen to you and get the summary (laughs) but this is also when harry potter comes out very exciting uh book by female author taking the world by storm but i've heard and i don't know anything about this but i heard you don't know anything about harry no i know about harry potter but i heard that the reason she chose a male character as the lead was because she didn't think that boys would get invested in the story if there was a female character as the lead that is true so like again progress but not 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 there yet but but there she does a lot of great things in the harry potter books again i don't have to worry about spoilers because if you haven't seen them uh you shouldn't be listening to me talk right now just kidding um go read yeah the books have been out since the 90s uh she does a, a great job of making obviously Harry Potter is the main character. His backstory is the one that we get and we become most invested in. But we do have three main characters, and they are all three complex characters um, whose families we become familiar with. And I would even argue that in the later books, there's a fourth main character. But anyway, Hermione is a, is is the author's kind of stand-in for herself. So rep- and so she's very complex. Uh, and very representative of J.K. Rowling. Although I recently heard you should be saying J.K. Rowling. Really? Yeah. I uh, don't know. I mean, it's yeah. British, so I don't know how to pronounce any of their words. They've ruined the English language as far as I I'm concerned. I think we ruined it. No, I think they did. Um, but in, anyway, so there are lots of great things about the Harry Potter books. And of course, Hermione gets to win battles. So if we're talking about mental strength, she's the smartest one. If we're talking about physical strength, she has her own strengths. Um, But yeah, I mean, the books are dominated by male characters for a lot of reasons. And it's true, right, that that she was trying to, she knew female kids would read a book about Harry Potter. She was not as sure that male kids would read a book about Hermione. But, you know, this broke some gates open. The Hunger Games came not long after. 
and um, I think had a wide audience, had a wide appeal. Also young adult books, a little bit older audience, but um, I think it, it was, I think the giant steps in the right direction in terms of representing females and giving voice to female authors. And so that brings us to what? <laughs> to the fourth wave of feminism, uh, which is now, today. Today. We're hap- it's happening. Right now. It's going on in the streets. So there is some academic debate about this. And because we're academics, we do have to tell you that. Uh, there are some people who say, no, there's only three waves. That's it. Only three. The fourth wave is so new that a lot of people haven't acknowledged it as a wave yet. And a lot of people who are part of the fourth wave are saying, I don't like these waves, man. (laughs) Right? I mean, they're saying, we don't have to think about these defined, distinct periods. We we just want to be feminists and we don't want to do all of this categorization. The second wave's not going to be happy about They're this. They're not, but you Mm-mm. know, that's what millennials do. We just come in and we ruin just everything. burn everything to the ground. We ruin everything. We stomp all over it. We get on our phones. We drink our lattes. So tell me about this fourth wave. How uh, do we know it's happening? Uh, well, you don't because you don't have Twitter. <laughs> so you have no idea what's happening anywhere in the world at any time. Because as far as I'm concerned, that's how people get their information. So you're saying this is a social media movement. I'm saying it's social media feminism. Yeah, if, if the 90s, if the third wave was Spice Girls feminism, this is definitely Twitter feminism. Um, of course, we have some famous ha- famous hashtags associated with the fourth wave of feminism. Obviously, Me Too being probably the most prominent. Time's Up being another. Uh so, but just because it's online, we shouldn't dismiss it, right? No, it's it's not trivial. And that's the thing that, that, I mean, I think millennials have been trying to tell people for I don't know how long, just because it's happening in my phone does not mean that it's trivial. We are talking about street harassment. We are talking about campus sexual assault. We are talking about Title IX violations on college campuses. We are talking about still to this day, workplace sexual harassment. I mean, Me Too is a hashtag but it's also about surviving sexual abuse. Well, it's the lived experience of a lot of women. Right, and it's powerful to know how many people uh, those kinds of experiences have happened to. Well, and social media opens the floodgates, right? So anyone can share their story. And that's the best thing about it. So that wasn't true in the second wave or in the third wave. Right, because there are no gatekeepers. We don't have to get a publisher. We don't have to get uh, we don't have to get a groundswell before anybody can hear what we have to say. Anybody can put anything on Twitter and become part of a movement. Now, that doesn't mean everybody can the get... The downside f- is also anybody can put anything <laughs> on Twitter. <laughs> yes, hold on. But that doesn't mean everybody gets followers, right? Because Misty's never going to get more than 10 followers on Twitter. But she's, Unless my dog gets a whole bunch of accounts. <laughs> she can still... Did you really get a Twitter no, from I your didn't. dog? No, okay. I didn't do that. I might do it later, but I didn't do it yet. I was like... I bet she doesn't even know how to do that. Uh, uh, anyway, yeah, the the downside being it can be anybody. And so now if we anonymize communication, then it can become problematic. And so now we have trolls. We had Gamergate. We have har- online harassment. Pizzagate. So we have, it creates its own problems. But just like any ethical problem, the solution is going to create other problems. So we're always going to be playing whack-a-mole. So this is an ongoing right now movement Mm -hmm. yes and again it's about equality yes 
It's about respect. It's about dignity. Mm-hmm. It's about valuing yes. humans for being humans. Because women are people. Women are people. Believe, Main thesis. Believe it or not. Women are people. The good news is the literature got much better. Good. Not just. About time. <laughs> and, I, and I don't mean, right, that we never had books of quality, but uh, we have increasing quality and we also have increasing diversity. We have way more women winning Pulitzer Prizes. We have way more women uh, on bestseller lists. But I think equally important, you have more women who are editing. You have more women who are working Absolutely. at publishers. Absolutely. You have more women who are shopping and selling titles. Mm-hmm. And they're going to choose stories that speak to them. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's important, right, to have a diverse perspective at every stage in the game. So we're looking for, we're seeking out, and we're honoring diverse voices. Mm -hmm. Some of my favorite books, uh, and speaking of social media feminism, there's a novel called A Visit from the Goon Squad that involves social media. That's written by Jennifer Egan. Uh, Emperor's Children is another great book. kind of a post 9-11 so you don't go to the movies no you were just gesturing like I don't know what she's talking about these are books I don't read a lot of fiction (sighs) I'm super fun so she makes fun of me for going to the movies and watching TV shows because she thinks I don't read enough books then I start naming books that I think are great and she's shrugging her shoulders like well books fiction what (laughs) as I've explained to you right books are important because yes, absolutely fiction is important because fiction reveals truths did you know that i did know Tim that Brian will tell you that uh he's a great author yes about vietnam mm-hmm. uh, the things they carried yeah wonderful book so anyway lots of great books coming out today tomorrow next week by women not just about women and but not also, just for women not just for women also people of color young adult books you know stories that champion female characters so that young girls and young ladies can read these books and have different kinds of role models so uh the literature i think is exciting and that's you know when i was in graduate school i studied mostly post 1980s american literature which sounds very niche but that's really what i was interested in not because i don't like things that are old but because i like things that are more representative and as you said speak to me so I would argue that I would argue about <laughs> anything <laughs> that feminism has made some really important gains that we're still got a ways to go, uh-huh. but we're, we're getting there. Okay. So I think it is important to remember how far we have come through these four waves. Okay. So do I need like an ocean sound effect? <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, do you have like a sound effect that's like, like Rocky running up the stairs, <laughs> like a victory? <laughs> no. All right, so what are the important gains that feminism has given us? Well, as you've taught us today, we got the right to vote. Yes. To hold office. Yes. To work and earn fair wages. Absolutely. That's when I stopped listening to the history part. Awesome. We can also own property. We can. We can. Wow. We can receive educations. Okay. Which we are both examples of. We are receiving and providing education. We can have equal rights within a marriage do you have equal rights within your marriage i do, do absolutely you, do you, does your husband yes <laughs> he might have a different answer but yes according to miss missy's facial expression that was an answer <laughs> for the podcast 
Well, okay, so the war of the sexes will never be won because there's too much fraternizing with the enemy. Yeah, true. So, I mean, but that's different to every marriage, right? Like, my marriage doesn't look like your marriage. Definitely not. So there's a different balance and a different relationship. And I think couples have to work that out for themselves, right? So so give us an example of how the personal is political in your house. So in my house, I do none of the cooking. Absolutely not. My husband used to be a chef. Oh. So I do none of the cooking. You shouldn't invite me over for dinner. But I do all the cleaning. Ugh. So it's an equal balance of work. Okay. Now I do most of the child care, but that's because our Your daughter child. doesn't like him. <laughs> she does not like him. And yeah, that's that's my life. It's unfortunate. He's yes. a very likable person. Yeah, it's just my daughter's mean. Yeah. Well, my daughter's a mean girl. She, she learned from the best of them. <laughs> so that's what our marriage looks like and that's what was equal to us Mm -hmm. but i imagine that yours is probably a little different mine is different i don't i don't cook or clean i uh what do you contribute um i work and uh i let the dogs out sometimes and i try not to leave my socks all over the house baseline baseline i mean i uh we have an equal uh, balance, but it, but it's a different balance. It's not that's equal. Fine. It's not equal li- along the line of housework. Yeah, mostly because I don't. I mean, I would live in a pigsty. <laughs> <laughs> I feel. I want to say that's an exaggeration, and I feel like if my husband were here, he'd be like, "It's not an exaggeration." So, um, yeah. I mean, I just I want to spend my time on other things. That's my defense. <laughs> <laughs> But that's okay, and feminism says that that's okay. Absolutely. I feel fulfilled. My relationship is happy. We have discussions about who's responsible for what and what we think is fair. And I think that because of the movements and accomplishments of feminism, my husband can feel more comfortable if I happen to make more money than him. Or if he wants to be a stay-at-home dad. If he wants to be a stay-at-home dad. If he wants to be a stay-at-home husband. Yeah. I mean, I think that it it's not something that he has to be afraid to say in public, right? That I'm a stay-at-home dad um, or that I, you know, he's going to college now. He was, you know, in the military. So these are, those are things that benefit all people, not just women. Right. And it's a, an example of the personal is political, right? Exactly. Because if we go back 100 years ago... That wouldn't have been possible. No. It wouldn't have been possible for me to have a job in a way that supports a household. If I if I had a job a hundred years ago, it would have been as It would have been cute. Yeah. I mean it would have been adorable. It, it would have it would have been as like a typist or perhaps a school teacher. Um, well a lot of school teachers once you got married, you couldn't do it anymore. They made you quit. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, you're really fairly limited. <laughs> You can work in a textile factory. I can't imagine someone looking at me in the face and being like, well, you got married. Time to quit your job. Well, yeah, because the expectation was then you're going to have your own kids. And why would you be working and not raising your own children? <laughs> Just, I, I, it's reality, but it's uh, it's crazy. So finish the results of feminism. So we also have the right to maternity leave. Mm-hmm. Um, which, But again, that's another issue that we're not quite all the way there yet, right? No. So we have FMLA, but we could do better. We could. And, and if you have 
part-time work if you if you are making a living by piecing together three part-time jobs Mm -hmm. fmla doesn't necessarily apply to you and it's not paid leave right it's just the guarantee that you have your job when you come back and and not even a guarantee if you're a part-time worker a contract worker Mm -hmm. i mean you're not guaranteed a job after a certain period of time and and oftentimes you get penalized internally so even if you're you get your job back well, and then some men, they're able to take FMLA mm-hmm. if their partners have children. Right. But some men won't do it because there's a stigma attached yeah. to it, right? So, yeah. again, we have more room to grow. Absolutely. Uh, reproductive rights, mm-hmm. access to health care, mm-hmm. super important. Yes. Uh, we have this movement to protect women and girls from sexual harassment, domestic violence, mm-hmm. rape, mm-hmm. and changes in dress and what's considered appropriate and not appropriate all of that is part of this movement and part of what we've gotten from feminism also all things that we are still in need of additional progress yes right we still have these very sexually based or gender based uh school uniform and dress code policies for instance and again that's not a major issue but it is a kind of discrimination that girls are facing in schools all the time right you have to go home if you're wearing a tank top why because boys can see your shoulder right so then that insinuates a boy's education is more important than yours right so again room to grow but we've gotten better we have we can wear pants so again it's about amelioration that's your vocabulary word of the podcast (laughs) people are gonna think we're (laughs) such nerds well we are nerds it's called profess hers not lady not lady time i don't know (laughs) lady time has a different meaning to come back to it missy what's your personal definition of feminism because it means a little different yeah to to, to everyone so my personal definition is that feminism is about dignity it's about respect and it's about choice Mm -hmm. i have the choice to wear pants okay i have the choice to wear a skirt i have Mm -hmm. the choice to work or not work and all of those choices should be respected i agree except you should wear pants at work um because it's an icebox in here and we're freezing. <laughs> so cold. Like, if you hear a strange sound. It's a shivering. It's Misty's chattering teeth. She's like a chattering s- skeleton over there. So what's your definition of fem- feminism? I want to get rid of expectations. I don't. So I'm trying to find a better way of saying get rid of gender roles. Because <laughs> that... I, th- some people find that a little inflammatory but i want to just to remove the expectations that come with gender number one because there are lots of people in our world who don't identify as either gender Mm -hmm. or who identify as a gender other than what was assigned to them at birth i also want to get rid of gender roles because i i mean I want to create, I guess, my own gender roles. I want everyone to create their own identity. So if you identify as a woman, I want you to define for yourself what being a woman is. And I and I want m- me to be able to do it myself for myself. And if a person identifies as male, what you know what I mean? I just I want to get rid of all of the preconceived definitions. So when a baby's born, don't slap it in a blue or pink onesie. Well, you know, I don't, I don't know how harmful that is, but I, I, you know, give them all the toys and, and let, and when, when a person grows up and says, you know, here's what it means to me to be a woman, here's what it means to me to be a man, to just respect it. And if it means be a stay at home dad, if it means be a stay at home mom, if it means, you know, being on the PTA, if it means 
having a high-powered job, if it means being a professor of English at Tarrant County College, whatever it means, right, whether it means having kids, not having kids. We still have so many people who feel like they're failures in life if they don't have kids. I want to remove all of those negative associations that people have. I want men to cry when they feel like crying and not be teased primarily I think by their own dads <laughs> right I think there's a right the generational thing okay so again yeah respect choice dignity fine your definition's better than mine <laughs> <laughs> all right so in this podcast what are our expectations so I want to discuss besides you know eliminating all gender roles and defeating the patriarchy <laughs> where do we go from here allegra well you know once we accomplish those two small goals <laughs> then we can just talk about you know orange is the new black orange is the new black great show the handmaid's tale Ooh, i can't wait to talk about that um we will talk about it so you know i just i want to talk about all of those things right things that we encounter in our homes in our classrooms the books we read the movies we watch the things that we are encountering the things that we are put in front of our face and how they impact women i think the most succinct way i've been able to say it is right what these things say about women and also what women have to say about them so and, and that includes yes. movies history historical events the way history is told current events right current events things that happened yesterday movies that came out six months ago six years ago 60 years ago um but also things that you know our students bring to us topics that we discuss in our own classes um so what what episodes do we have planned missy so coming up we are going to have an episode about horror movies Horror movies. Horror movies. Okay. And about how women are portrayed in them. Empowering or problematic. Ooh, nice use of a <laughs> semicolon. Uh, what else, Allegra? So we're going to talk about Marvel movies and what Marvel movies are saying about women and how, again, they're kind of reflecting culture back to us. We can talk, I mean, I could talk just myself for 45 minutes about how women are portrayed in Marvel movies and compare Captain Marvel to Black Widow, for instance. That sounds super interesting. You can look up some comic. <laughs> you can look up some no, comic I'll, book history. I'll be ready okay? to go. No, I okay. will be ready to go. Um, I want to talk about TV because I watch a little bit more of that than I do movies. <laughs> and she uh, watches like three shows. Yes, but they're Bob's important. Burgers. I love Bob's Burgers. It's The so Walking good. Dead. Also, and very, Orange is the New Black. Those actually, are the shows. I that stopped watching Orange is the New Black because it didn't follow the book anymore. I know. I know. I don't have any. She wants to talk about, so you would just want to do an episode on The Walking Dead? <laughs> no, I actually want to talk about representation of women across various okay. shows. Representation's good. Yes. Um, I want to talk about music. Yeah. And for sure, I want to talk about girl bands. Girl bands. I want to talk about fandoms. Okay. Uh, and uh, I'm, I, I don't have that idea fully fleshed out, but I, I do want to talk about that. I also want to talk about famous women from history. We do, yeah, I, I want to do that also. I, I do know about a few famous women from history. There's these things called books that aren't fiction. They're real stories that happened to Allegra. Real uh, you, true you, stories. You know, I have, I read uh, the the bedtime stories for Rebel Girls uh, to to my kid. So she likes them. And, and we the, have Feminist Baby for my and, daughter. And that's that's where I learned about most of my favorite women from history. So I'll bring you some research and I'll <laughs> bring you a children's book, but it's that's okay. Very informative. No judgment. 
it's a choice. It's a choice to read adult <laughs> books or not. All right, so like, what's next in your lady life? What's next in my lady life is I'm going to finish reading this book, Looking for Mr. Goodbar. I'm so intrigued that it's a book that seems to have been relatively famous and prominent. I'd never heard of it before looking up some examples to name in the episode. But, you know, I love everything that has to do with murders. Uh, you know, I listen to about 27 murder podcasts, watch, teaches a class on murder. 4,000 murder documentaries on Netflix and just about every short story my poor students have to read. Wives with knives. I don't watch those, you know, (laughs) Making a Murderer, Jinx. Oh, yeah, yeah. The the (laughs) highbrow. The highbrow murder shows. Um, So so anyway, I'm intrigued by Waiting for Mr. Goodbar. I want to finish reading it uh, and let you know whether I think it's a feminist book or not. We'll find out. What about you? What's next in your lady life, Missy? Well, apparently I'm going to need to go do some comic book research. You do. So that's what's next on my agenda. <laughs> Super excited. I cannot wait for Missy <laughs> to read comic books. Graphic and, novels, right? That's what we call them now? Uh, once they're put into a larger form. Yeah, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for listening to this episode of Professors, our podcast about seeing movies, culture, and history through our lady eyes. I'm Allegra, and I do read nonfiction. I'm Misty, and I do watch some TV. (laughs) We'd love to hear from you about what you thought about today's episode, what you'd like to discuss in future episodes, or how great you think we are. Which has to be really great. To connect with us, you can follow us on Twitter. Hopefully you know how to use it better than Misty does. That's at ProfessHers, P-R-O-F-E-S-S-H-E-R-S. Or by email, same address, ProfessHers at gmail.com. We hope that you recommend this podcast to a friend. Check out other podcasts from TCC Connect faculty. Our podcast is written by Missy and me and engineered and produced by Austin Haynes and Scott January, who we are very grateful to for teaching us how to use this equipment and doing all of our editing. The books we recommended, or at least meant to recommend today, Visit from the Goon Squad by Jennifer Egan, Goldfinch by Donna Tart, Emperor's Children, and really anything by Claire Massoud, and To the Lighthouse by Virginia Woolf. All very good representations of culture at the times they were written, all by women. And if you haven't read it, of course, To Kill a Mockingbird. Misty, have you read it? I have read To Kill a Mockingbird, yes. Okay, good for you. I've also read Tequila Mockingbird. (laughs) And remember, things are tough, but so are we.